So these are words that Jesus sang when he and the disciples went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Amazing words to think that he sang these words from Psalm 118. He sang these words. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can you imagine what that was like for him to sing those words knowing what that day was? Wow. We're going to look uh, tonight at the Old Testament lesson from Exodus chapter 24. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and ate and drank, and I might add, and lived. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength and our rock, our redeemer, our Passover lamb. Amen. I have to admit, and maybe you will too after hearing me out, I have to admit that I'm a bit jealous and I'm a bit envious of those guys. I'm a bit jealous and envious of Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. I'm a bit envious and jealous because after all, they got to have a meal with God and lived. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. You can tell they saw it because they could see his feet. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites because, remember, they're sinful people. Sinful people automatically would die in the presence of a holy God. God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God, and they ate, and they drank. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. I wish I could have been a part of that moment. Don't you? Huh? Without even bothering to ask what they had to eat. Who cares? It was with God. Then again, and maybe you will agree with me after you hear me out, then again, I'm not so sure that I envy those guys not given what they had to go through before they had that meal with God. They had the blood of an ox sprinkled all over them. That was just a standard part of their worship service. As you heard it in the Old Testament lesson as Ron was reading tonight, they, they sacrificed some bulls, some ox, and they took half of the blood and they put it in a bowl. And they took the other half of the blood and they sprinkled it on the altar. So far, so good. But then it goes on to say, Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, 
and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Maybe those guys weren't in the right place at the right time after all. I wouldn't want the blood of an ox sprinkled on me. No way, no how. Would you want the blood of an ox sprinkled on you? So what does all this have to do with our being in God's house tonight? Well, let me assure you, no blood will be literally sprinkled on you tonight, okay? But sadly, I also have to say, you're not going to see the feet of God. You're not going to see something as blue as the sky. You're not going to see God. You're not going to literally have a meal with God. But in a very real way, those two activities, those two moments from long ago, they're going to come together tonight. And through faith, you are going to relive Exodus chapter 24. You are going to come into contact with some sacrificial blood this evening. And you are going to be a guest at a meal which is hosted by no one less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you're going to live to tell about it. Here's the one reason why I say all of this will happen. It all has to do with that word covenant and the reality of a covenant relationship with God. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 24. So three months before this happens, the children of Israel had been captive in Egypt, and then they had been let out. So this is three months after the exodus out of Egypt, okay? And now they were camped at the base of Mount Sinai, and God was about to give them the, the Ten Commandments to, to finalize that covenant relationship with them. And God says to Moses, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Now, these aren't exactly two equal partners entering into a contract or into a covenant relationship. On the one hand, you've got God. God. Holy, almighty, all-knowing God who, as it says in this text, in Exodus, Exodus chapter 19 says, to whom the, the whole earth belongs, that's the one party in this covenant. On the other hand, you've got the children of Israel. They are far from being holy. And they are far from being grateful. They have been gone for Egypt three months. And yet, at least up to this point in time, there have been at least three times where they dug in their heels, complained to God, and said, Oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? All they did was grumble and complain as to what God had done. 
Now those are, are two pretty unlikely partners to uh, an agreement, aren't they? To a partnership, to a, a covenant. And, and they're very unevenly matched partners, aren't they? Which is, case in point, the very nature of a covenant when it is between God and people, okay? It's always a one-sided agreement, a one-sided covenant. And in this instance, as is the case with all covenants with God, it's all on him. It all comes from him. He's the one who initiated, initiates, initiates it, there's the word, and he's the one who provides everything that is needed for the covenant relationship to be formed. It's 100% God. It's 0% coming from the other side of the party. In effect, it is all on God. And in keeping with that, it is God who pays for the price of the covenant to be put into place the whole price of the covenant. And that price was set as being that of a life. A life had to be sacrificed, which is where the blood comes into the picture. You see, there's this long-standing principle that was put in place by God from the very beginning regarding his covenant with people that he had created. To Adam and Eve, who were holy at the time. God said this, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. And so the principle simply is this. Sin would break the covenant, the relationship between God and people, and sin would bring death and in order for God to again enter into a covenant relationship with those people, with anyone who had broken the relationship by sinning, it would cost a life. Someone would have to pay and die for sin. And the symbol of that payment would be blood. As it says in Leviticus, the life of every creature is its blood. Or backing up to what is said in Genesis, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. And then there's this verse that we heard earlier tonight from Hebrews, requiring blood to be shed in order for there to be forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so it was that God instructed the Israelites that in their worship they should use the blood of animals to represent the life which needed to be sacrificed in order to restore their covenant relationship with God. Again, the life of every creature is its blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. And an animal would serve as that substitute, would give its blood. And in this instance, the animal was an ox. So I hope that at this point, you're starting to draw some connections or at least asking some questions about all of this as to the meal and how it applies to the meal that we're about to celebrate tonight. 
there's blood involved in this meal, isn't there? And it's not our blood, is it? Rather, it is the blood of a substitute sacrifice, isn't it? And I suppose you could say that the blood that was be offered will be the blood of a lamb, for it will be the blood of Jesus. As it says in Revelation, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Or per Jesus' own words from this night long ago when he connected the old covenant Moses and the children of Israel to this new covenant with us. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Tonight is history happening all over again, isn't it? The covenant between God and between sinful people. He's the one initiating the covenant, isn't he? He's the one paying the full price for the relationship to exist, isn't he? So that sinful people like you and me can once again be his people. And in a very real way, just as Moses and Aaron and, and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders were, were allowed to see God and to eat and drink in the presence of God and, and allowed to live to tell about it, so it will be for us. You're in the right place at just the right time. The Lord Jesus is the host. And we will see with the eyes of faith through his words, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. We see with the eyes of faith that in reality we are being privileged to eat and to drink with God tonight. Aren't we? In a few moments, you will eat and drink with the Lord. And as you eat and drink as guests at his table, you will receive all of the blessings of the covenant, the blessings of the forgiveness of all your sins, the blessing of your faith being strengthened for your walk with him and the blessings of the assurance of the promise of everlasting life with him in heaven. All of those are yours in Jesus Christ, in this new covenant. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.